Sports Radio 610 presents Seth Payne and Sean Pendergast. We come to eighth time. Let's get the work in, man. Let's go. Great day. Great day. Oh, give me some juice, baby. Here's Johnston to free kick with one second left. Let's it rip. Downs back deep at the 13. He's going to run with it. Across the 15, 20. Laterals back to Pittman. And Pittman laterals back. And the ball is loose. And the Texans fall on it. And it's over. The Texans are going to the playoffs. They knock off Indy. 23 to 19. Back to the postseason. D'Amico does it in year one. I love D'Amico, man. He's a great coach. I think Nick has done a great job as well. Our ownership has. Just the city of Houston, like you said, man. Like, I don't know about what happened in the past, but I know now, like, just the buzz in the city just feels great, you know? Um, Just feels like how it's supposed to be. Hell yeah. It does. It does feel great. CJ, that was CJ Stroud on Pat McAfee yesterday. That was Mark Vandermeer on the final call. We're counting down now. It's Tuesday. We got a playoff game on Saturday here. Good times, good times. National championship game last night over at NRG Stadium. Good to be with you on a Tuesday. Sean Pendergast, Seth Payne. Good morning, my friend. How are you? The uh, McAfee show uh, be doing, it looked like they were broadcasting from the spot where Drew Doherty, or no, it's, I think it's where the, um, Drew Doherty used to do his thing, but now the DJ is up there. So they had McAfee and the DJ spot up in the northwest corner of the of the rafters, basically. Yeah, yesterday. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So CJ was really good on there, and uh, I think that the the cool thing was that you know McAfee's a Colts fan, lives in Indianapolis, as are all of his cronies there. So they uh, that the fun little dynamic there was them kind of just uh, hating the fact that CJ is going to be so good. Yeah, he they they, they didn't hide it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and this whole thing, like you you're looking like you're a top five quarterback. This this really sucks. I want you to know. Uh, I want you to know it really sucks. <laughs> We're gonna forgive McAfee for wearing the belt buckle and the cowboy hat because he was in Houston. He did the uh, the most obvious Cliche. thing you can do, which is. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did he at any point say, Houston, we have a problem? I don't know. I doubt it. Okay, I then doubt he's fine. It. I don't then think he, he's either. fine. Yeah. He's just trying to fit in then. I'll let it go. I'll, I'll, let, I'll let it go for Pat McAfee. Um, I don't, like, honestly, I don't, yeah, I guess I don't know what else you do if you, if you go to anywhere in Texas. I mean, it's just, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, what it, what would be more emblematic, I guess? He's, he's on TV. Be, Dude, I think. Wear a fajita on his head or something. They're based, I don't out know. Of, they're based out of Bristol, Connecticut. I grew up 10 minutes from there. Nobody knows what the hell to do when they try to fit in down in Houston, up in Connecticut. Yeah. He's doing his yeah. best. What are you going to do? Um, so, uh, national championship game last night. So, we got that. That's, that's done. That's in the books. If you're just waking up, Michigan destroyed Washington. I say destroyed Washington. It was a one-score game in the third quarter. But Michigan was... Clearly the better team last night uh, for 60 minutes. You and I were talking about this before the show, Seth. For a, a national championship game um, in you know what is the most, you know probably maybe the second most popular sport behind the NFL, college football, at least by TV viewership numbers, the stories coming out of this game, like nobody's really talking about the, the aspects of what happened in those 60 minutes. The big stories coming out of this game are, one, a story we can relate to. Is there an asterisk on this championship right, for right. the University of Michigan? And two, and probably more relevant and crossing over and bleeding into what we're going to talk about for most of the show today. And by the way, Nick Casario, Texans GM, joins us at 730 on the show today. Um, what happens with Jim Harbaugh now? Um, you know, what, the, he's a, He is a heavy, heavy, heavy favorite to land the Los Angeles Chargers job for whatever it's worth. Like, So we could, we could get some Harbaugh news 
Harbaugh, who coached half the season because he was suspended for the other half of the season this year twice, yeah. <laughs> um, could be on his way to the NFL. And I would imagine it feels like he's that candidate, maybe a little like D'Amico last year, where Harbaugh's name's getting mentioned for possibly every job that's out there right now. Chargers' next coaching odds are uh, it's it's heavily favored to be Jim Harbaugh, followed by old Giff Smith, and uh, then Ben Johnson, and then Bill Belichick. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I try to ignore the I, – I try to ignore um, – like the fact that just these a lot of these these futures odds are just so ridiculously off. I don't know what the odds were that D'Amico was going to get the Texans job, uh, but obviously he did. Then it seemed like public sentiment was that there was no chance in hell that it was going to. Yeah, be it had D'Amico. more to do with the Texans yeah. than D'Amico, probably. <laughs> now the actual substantial, definite thing that happened was yes, that the Panthers did put. The Panthers officially put out a list of people they were interested in, and Bobby Slowick is one of them. Yeah. Yeah, and Bobby Sloak and Patrick Storm tweeted that Washington's looking for permission to talk to Sloak as well. But Carolina was the first one that I saw. I, you know my feeling on this. I Bobby Sloak should take every interview that he gets asked to go on, in my opinion, until he decides I'm definitely not doing this. Um, or even if in, his, in the back of his mind he knows he's not doing it. I, I think interviewing's a skill. Um, he's never been on an interview to be a head coach before. Yeah. And I think he can get a feel for Dude. what are the type of questions you're going to get and things like that. There, as far as I'm seeing, there were there were multiple reports that the commanders have okay. uh, requested to speak with Bobby Sloan. Okay, yeah. okay. So there you go. So, um, so in one season, Sorry, was that a well actually? I was just trying. No, to no, 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 uh-uh. no, no. Okay. I, yeah, no. That's no, because Patrick Storm was the only one I saw. No, that helps. You need two sources, Seth. So now we've got two. Not a well actually. Um, so uh, the uh, D'Amico Ryan's in one year as a uh, as a head coach has now had more offensive staff folks get requested for an interview than Bill O'Brien had in six seasons as a Texans head coach. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, – and he's still – Bill O'Brien still seems to be the uh, major employment opportunity for a lot of coaches in the NFL. Yeah. The, he he tried to insist on uh, – reportedly he wanted to bring his whole – he wanted a clean house in New England and bring all of his buddies. Right. And they only allowed him one, Will Lying – Who's uh, who? Some of you might remember was a tight ends coach after be, being a GA. Basically, basically was uh, Bill O'Brien's intern, and now he's his right hand man. So, uh, well, let's see. Tim Kelly will likely, I'm guessing, get fired in Tennessee, or mm-hmm. will he stick around. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's it, it, me saying that is more compliment complimentary to D'Amico than it is shade at Bill O'Brien. Well, I, I'm not. Be, let's let's not lie. It was both. Um, but look, D'Amico hit a home run on his first offensive coordinator hire. It looks like, at least if we take the uh, if we take the rest of the NFL and what other front offices see Bobby Slowick as an interest in him as a uh, as an as evidence of that. Okay, this is the question: Is since Bobby Slowick and D'Amico Ryan's um, made a blood oath to each other that if one got a head coaching job, the other one would. Uh, would come along with him. They did it with. They had constructed a fort um, in their in the in the when they had a sleepover in the living room with, with Niners they, blankets as the roof. You always have to yeah, have blankets yeah, yeah. as the so roof. So there's yeah, they're sitting underneath it with a flashlight pointed upwards like it was a lantern, and uh, they made a blood oath. But that is okay. That's that's partly true. They had you know kind of been committed to each other. Like hey, if I get something, I'm bringing you along with me. Mm-hmm. So does Bobby Slowick's loyalty extend to? All right, yeah, I'm going to give you a few good years before I. 
before I bail for an exotic place like Washington, D.C. or something. Yes, I hopefully that's the case. I think if I had to guess, a total guess right now, total guess, I would guess Bobby Sloak's going to be the offensive coordinator for the Houston Texans in 2024. That would be my guess. Um, yeah, I think he honestly, for his own... For his own purposes too, just if, even if you were being completely selfish, the you know with zero loyalty to D'Amico Ryan's whatsoever, hypothetically, the best thing for him, I think, is to get at least another year of seasoning because it takes a lot of time. You're just like he's talked about it multiple times this year. He's had to learn a lot as he's learned how to be an offensive coordinator, and taking all that in while simultaneously perhaps preparing yourself to be a head coach. Hard to do, I think. And I, like, I think maybe he takes a cue from D'Amico, who pulled himself out last year, and just says, all right, I'm going to focus in on being the best coordinator I can be. And then also maybe in the background, get things humming along, you know, what my plan is for being a head coach. Yeah, and I don't know that as many jobs are going to open up as people thought. I mean, last year there were only five, and so everybody's like, well, there were only five last year, so this year there's going to be like nine or ten. There's five right now with New England still this oddity sitting up there. We don't know what's going to happen up in New England, but Washington and Atlanta both open up yesterday, and there were already three other openings before that, Vegas, the Chargers, and the Carolina Panthers. And if Jim Harbaugh is a candidate and Bill Belichick moving somewhere else is a possibility, and I think it's a lock that Ben Johnson of Detroit gets one of these jobs. He was last year's guy that pulled his name out yeah. early on because – he, he wanted to do his thing for another year up in Detroit, then the chairs are starting to fill up pretty quickly. You know, I think it's a combination of what you talked about, Seth, and I just don't think there's as many openings this year as people thought there were going to be. I, I wonder, too, remember there was that memo put out by the NFL last year showing how much dead money teams were paying to, to former coaches? That's not dead money against the cap or anything, but it's just it's cash that they're spending. And the NFL put it out, I, I think, almost to – supposedly as just an educational thing, like, hey, guys, look at what we're spending our money on. Let's be careful. But I wonder if there has been kind of uh, conversations about, all right, like this is getting a little bit out of, out of hand. We got to try to reel this back in a little bit, at least, you know, give like, like let's not make it standard operating procedure that we got $100 million of pay out there that we're not actually uh, getting any employment from. Yep. Uh, Payne and Pendergast with you on a Tuesday. Again, Nick Casario joins us at 730 on the show today. We'll look ahead to the Cleveland game this Saturday, get his thoughts on some of the things going on with the team. Uh, we'll ask about Bobby Slowick, Nick, get Nick's take on that as well. Um, there are, we should mention, uh, if you're looking to go to the game, there is a big buzz going on right now with this game, man. It's cool to have the Texans back in the postseason. I'm told there's still a couple thousand tickets available for Saturday's game. So if you're looking to get into a, an NFL playoff game where the atmosphere should be awesome, and I think the Texans have a, a good chance to avenge the loss from a few weeks ago, uh, Ticketmaster.com, you can get your tickets to get out to the game on uh, Saturday. Saturday, 3.30 kick. 3.30 kick, Browns two-and-a-half-point favorite, and um, let's go. Let's go. Uh, all right, Payne and Pendergast with you on a Tuesday. Again, Nick Casario joining us at 7.30 on the show today. Up next, uh, yeah, we'll continue to get you ready for this Browns game. we got some leftovers from the weekend as well. It's fun to hear young players super, super psyched to be Houston Texans. You're going to want Will Anderson injected right into your veins when we come back. We'll do that 
Next. Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast. CJ Titus mentioned you don't listen to what the media says, and I assume the team doesn't, but just so you know, you do know, right now the biggest threat to the Ravens is Joe Flacco and the Browns. So just so oh, you yeah, know. Oh, yeah, Stephen A said you guys have oh, no chance. Yeah. No chance. No, I'm not a Browns uh, fan, but I'm just telling you. Well, we have media. no chance? Yeah, yeah, Stephen A said a rookie yeah. quarterback <laughs> yeah. No way. is not going to do anything in the playoffs. That's not happening. All right. And the Ravens don't want to see They don't want to see Joe Flacco. They don't want to see <laughs> the best part of that was CJ going, I've heard worse. <laughs> You're like, yeah, dude, he played at Ohio State. <laughs> well, you know, the, the Stephen best A. Part about that, I felt bad. There are a lot of Texans fans that just like, you know, one person takes that and then does their little caption above it where they say, these guys tell CJ that nobody, nobody thinks they have a chance. And then it gets cast about. And there are all kinds of people angry yesterday that, uh, that, that apparently. <laughs> <laughs> that the McAfee show was saying things to CJ that were never actually said. Uh, that that uh, guy was that Connor was just kind of sarcastically saying that Stephen A says that uh, that they've got no chance. The, the Texans are uh, one and a half point underdogs in this game, so it's not. It's a, it's actually about like you know maybe a little bit more than half of America thinks that they have less of a chance than the Browns. Yeah, but I don't think it's a no chance type of scenario or feel right. The now. Browns are getting a lot of love for being there's one of these every year. The being the team like the team that's a lower seed that could really spoil the party for some of these teams that are making Super Bowl plans. The the, the team that's the Ravens the last time they won a Super Bowl Correct. with Joe Flacco as their quarterback Great where point. they just yep. they got hot at just the right moment. Joe Flacco could do no wrong. I mean, Joe Flacco had a stretch of four games in the playoffs where he threw zero interceptions, which is something that happens rarely in Joe Flacco's career. And and he just threw incredible deep balls. The Ravens' defense wasn't actually that good that year. I'm guessing the Browns' defense this year, if you adjusted for offensive you know, inefficiencies and everything that, that offset everything, it's probably better than the Ravens' defense the year they won the Super Bowl. Oh, Joe for sure. I mean, it's the, it's yeah. the Browns' defense is the best defense in football this season. So, yeah, it's, that, yeah, yeah it wasn't a classic Baltimore Ravens' defense that nope. year. No, a lot of names. It had a lot of name power, but uh, some of the names are getting older. Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, guys like that. You know what they had was the old uh, – the deer, the, de- the deer antler spray. Stuff, yeah. Yep, they sure did. They sure did. Is, should there be an asterisk on the Ravens 2012? That'll be the theme of today's show. Let's put Who's asterisk dirtier, on everything. Joe Flacco and his deer antler musk teammates or Jim Harbaugh and their iPhone sign-stealing ways? Let, I don't know. Let, let's take it a step further. Which Harbaugh brother is dirtier? Because John Harbaugh oh, did it, yeah. oversee the deer antler spray Ravens that season. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah, Harbaugh versus point. Harbaugh. Dirty bastards. Um, hey, one thing you should know about this game, Texan fans, a couple things you should know. Um, but the the big one, they announced the officiating crews yesterday. And I know if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say the name here, and you're probably going to be like, all right, Sean, thanks. Great info, bro. Um, the officiating crew is the Clay Martin officiating crew. And I bring that up because he was the lead official on, I would say, Seth, probably the game this year where the most – complaining was done by Texan fans after the game about officiating Mm -hmm. the Jacksonville loss in week 12. And if you go look at the box score, I think the Texans had like seven penalties for 64 yards or something like not some outrageous number, not like this past week where they had 11. A lot of the ones this past weekend were their own fault. I'm not complaining about the officials, but in that particular Jacksonville game, that was the game where Jacksonville drew four either defensive pass interference or defensive holding penalties on crucial third downs in that game. Like, crucial. Like, DeAndre Houston Carson got called for a P.I. 
in the end zone on third and goal that was super sketchy. Made it first and goal at the one, and they just marched right in after that. Steven Nelson had that weird phantom holding call, which might have been misidentifying him, but still, it was there were there were several third down passing infractions on the Texans defense in that game that were super sketchy. So they seemed well, they just seemed really ticky tack. It, yeah. it, 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 it wasn't even in line necessarily with the way the game was being called. Otherwise, yeah. that was the frustrating thing. It's okay. If you got a crew that's, that's really, really strict with it, then fine. But they were, they were calling some things that were not nearly as egregious as other things that, that were not being called. So it was frustrating. And one of them, one of those ticky tack ones seemed like a makeup for a previous bad call. It just, uh, ooh, no, no, it was almost like a makeup bad series. The, right. the officials made a bad call that went in favor of the Texans. And it was almost, it felt like the, it felt like the officials were then committed wholesale to like allowing the Browns or allowing the Jaguars to score after that on the ensuing series. Cause they just, they made multiple sketchy calls. Yep. So now, now you're dealing. Okay. That, so that was Jacksonville. Now you've got, so now you've got an opponent where last time around, the Texans allowed their leading receiver to shatter the team record for receiving yards in a game, Amari Cooper. Um, so just something to something to take note of. Uh, so Derek Stingley Jr., Stephen Nelson, uh, be on the be on your best game. That Jacksonville game was the one that almost ended Tavier Thomas's career. It felt like where <laughs> poor Tavier was running around getting called for DPI, uh, getting getting letting guys get behind him and so forth. Um, so should Stingley follow Amari Cooper around the field? I'm seeing a lot of that. Uh, yeah, that's Twitter. weird. I, I get that asked a lot because people remember really upset in that Browns game that when Steven Nelson was injured that they uh, you know, they let D'Angelo Ross cover, cover Amari Cooper who had never been – hadn't played defense at all that year. I think this is the biggest thing about it because I understand all the arguments for letting Derek Stingley travel with Amari Cooper. I think – the biggest issue I have it with right now is that this Texans defense, their biggest issue is mental errors and coverage busts. And whenever you take uh, Derek Singley and then move him over to the right or move him to the slot, then all of a sudden you have to shuffle everybody else around. And then a, a backfield that's prone to making coverage errors probably makes that many more coverage errors. So I don't think it's as simple as just, hey, you let Derek Singley follow Amari Cooper. And the other part of it is just that. Derek Singley doesn't have a lot of experience playing in the slot in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Fewer than 20 snaps total over the past two seasons. So I don't think it's just so simple that Derek Singley is going to be an awesome slot corner versus Amari Cooper. I'm A-OK with them. Keeping Derek Singley on the left side, feeling very, very good about him there. And then theoretically, when you ask your safety to help out on Amari Cooper, he yeah. doesn't start jumping underneath routes. Yeah. It's That is all... That's all on the the mental busts of various other defensive backs, more so than not having Derek Stingley travel with Amari Cooper. There's a good chance that there's a good chance that if Derek Stingley had been over on that side when D'Angelo Ross was there, and if he thought he had safety help over the top and didn't get it, then Amari Cooper still catches that ball. He probably wouldn't have run for a touchdown, but still. Yeah, this if we recall to your point, Seth, the Cleveland game in week sixteen, three weeks ago, was the game where Jalen Petrie got benched like 19 snaps into the game because yeah. of the play you're talking about where he <laughs> D'Angelo Ross, Amari Cooper gets behind D'Angelo Ross and there's zero safety help back there for him. So yeah, yeah P, like Petrie can't, that, that can't happen again. I mean, you just, you don't have the depth it's, at safety to allow it to happen. Again. I mean, that is, yeah. And that's just, it's not, 
like, this is a team, this is where it's so frustrating. The entire 49ers philosophy offensively and defensively over the last few years with Kyle Shanahan has been all is all about explosive plays. It's all about having the most explosive passing and running plays on offense. And then on defense, it's been about limiting explosive plays, which you, you can do if you have a really good defensive line because it means you don't have to blitz a lot. So, so far, the Texans' defense has done a pretty good job of getting down that path. The defensive line has gotten better and better at rushing the passer as the year's gone along. And defensively, though, they just they keep having these coverage busts where – in situations where all they need to do is prevent big plays, force the other team to try to nickel and dime you, they just go ahead and let guys get behind them. They jump underneath routes. They just, they're too damn aggressive for their own good at times, or at times just not certain enough of what they're supposed to be doing. And it's got to be driving D'Amico Ryan's insane because it, it yields things like, oh, Zach Wilson goes off and has a career day for you. Yards, yeah. In a monsoon. It, it yep. just, and it's all. It, the majority of it is mental. It's it, Some of it's physical, but the majority of it is mental. Not to mention the fact that you let any NFL quarterback kind of get into a groove because you're making mental busts, and they become that much better too. So I don't – I just – Derek Stingley not traveling with Amari Cooper is like ninth or tenth on my list right now of things that need to be done better against the Browns. Here's D'Amico Ryans on what needs to improve against the Browns. For us, looking back at our first game versus the Browns, it was uh, a lot of self-inflicted penalties. We made big plays that were negated by penalties or just mishaps on our part. So, again, we have to play clean football versus a really good team. You, know, you can't go out and make mistakes, right, or they'll capitalize on it. And they've shown that time after time. And that's on the defensive side. Uh, we gave them too many explosive passes. And... Amari had an outstanding game. Watching again, he had some of the best catches I've seen all year, right? Even though guys were in coverage and in position, he still made unbelievable catches. He had an outstanding game. So we just have to, we have to be in position to cover him better. We have to be able to make plays, right, to get off the field on third down as well. Yeah, and that's where it's uh, like you just without taking anything away from Flacco and Amari Cooper and David Njoku, who just had some awesome, awesome connections and passes, like D'Amico said, that's going to happen, likely with this offense. You just can't then spot them another 14 to 21 points and hope that CJ without Tank Dell on the other side is going to be as explosive as the Browns have been. Uh, it, and it really is. The other part of it that makes me nervous is the Browns have not been running the ball well at all. And they're very much like the Texans in that regard in that they're not running the ball well, but they're going to stay committed to the run because it sets up the play action. And the Texans' defense has been really, really bad at at biting on play action and letting guys get behind them and allowing those big plays. They're 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 really, really good until they aren't, and then they're atrocious. And it's that it's the old eighty twenty principle. Those twenty percent of the bad plays are the ones that are doing the most damage to you. Yeah, yeah. They've got to quit that. Like the Texans held the Browns to one point eight yards per carry on the ground. The run game was not the issue. If you're nervous about the Jonathan Taylor experience from last week. Worry about that come the Baltimore Ravens or somebody else. The run game isn't going to destroy the Texans when you play the Browns, but over committing to the run and not being on your P's and Q's when it comes to play action, 
the way they also did against the, the last week a little bit, like that's what's going to hurt you. You just got to be smarter and sharper about that. Okay, so that's on the defensive side. Here's D'Amico Ryan. The Texans actually did a pretty good job. Like if they held Gardner Minshew to 130 yards passing. Yeah, just yeah. That, yeah. Like versus the Browns, that was the biggest issue. Yep. Uh, here's D'Amico Ryan's on the offensive side of the ball, spreading the ball around to other wide receivers besides Nico Collins. You, know, you talk about our passing game with Nico, CJ, playmakers. In the position we're in now, the game we're in, we just have to find a way to move the ball. Right? To me, yeah, Nico has done an outstanding job this entire year. He deserves a ton of credit for the season that he's had, a career year. He's shown up every single week. And may play after play, whether you know whether he's double covered, it doesn't matter. Like he showed up with a willingness and a want to, right, to be that leading receiver for us, and and he did that. And he deserves a ton of credit for that. Anytime you have more guys who can make plays, it's a plus for us. And we would like many more guys to step up and make plays for us. But at the end of the day, however you get it done, you get it done. No matter if it's Nico, right? No matter who it is catching the football, right? We just have to find a way to get the win. Seth, on the injury report this week, the Texans will be back at practice today, by the way. Like last week when they're playing on Saturday, Tuesday becomes what Wednesday is during the regular season. So they're going to be practicing today. We'll get an injury report today. Jonathan Grenard's certainly going to be a name everybody's keeping an eye on. They've got to get one or both of Noah Brown and Robert Woods back for this game. They've just got to. I I don't think they can deploy the same strategy against this defense that they did against the Colts where they can just pound Nico Collins. They can just pepper Nico Collins and target him a whole bunch. These are really good corners on Cleveland. They've got a better pass rush than the Indianapolis Colts have. Um, and I, I just, with John Mechie and Xavier Hutchinson as the next two guys, both those, anytime those guys are targeted, it feels like the defensive back is draped on them. You know, they're just not getting open, open. Not that Robert Woods and Noah Brown are you know, elite wide receivers or anything, but they're vets who I think are going to be able to find some, some dead spots to at least get open for CJ. Well, the, yeah. The, you know, Robert Woods just is so good with his timing and his route running and understanding what the defense is doing that he and he and CJ have a really good connection there when they need it. And we saw that early in the season and then tank Dell started to take over. You're going to start to see Robert Woods emerge more as he did last week. Um, when he was healthy. The big number to remember for two weeks ago against the Browns regarding Nico Collins was that he had four catches for 18 yards. Yep. He just averaged four and a half yards per reception, which was got to be the lowest of the season for him. Yeah, yeah, that was the lowest of the season for him. And, oh, okay, it, it was not C.J. Stroud throwing him the football. Right, That's been... Right. It's one of the, been one of the more proof positive things about CJ this year, at least. If you want to look back on uh, the two games that he missed, where some of these other guys, when Bryce Young went out, you know, Andy Dalton came in and was better than him. You know, Gardner Minshew is probably was better as, probably as a pure NFL quarterback than Anthony Richardson would have been in his rookie year. Uh, where CJ was pretty damn obvious. Okay, this is a different. <laughs> this is a, this is a team that is much much worse you know, about CJ. It's Stroud. like the Chiefs losing Mahomes or the Ravens losing Lamar Jackson. Yeah, like yeah. it's it, you know it's it, it's that's what it is. Though that's where like I mean because there's promising rookie performances where you. You could still say, yeah, it was a really promising rookie performance. Sure, they had a veteran on the roster, maybe somebody like Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. or somebody behind them. Maybe it may have been better this season, but for the long run, you got to develop the quarterback. There's been zero of that. No, no, CJ. CJ's just he's he's legit. Yeah. He's not rookie legit. He's legit legit. Um, if you want to get fired up for being a Texan fan or for this game or for the direction of the team, take a listen to Will Anderson in about a minute of audio. 
in the locker room after the Indianapolis game. This is what you live for as a little kid, man. And to see everybody dream coming true, man. Like, just starting red ball, backyard football, college. <laughs> and then you get here, and these are the type of games that you live for, man. And I know that everybody's super excited, man. We just got to keep going, keep doing us better, man, and just keep grinding and being gritty and just keep just out oh, so hype right now, man. There's a lot of people talking about the postseason saying you, if they can get in, the Texans, you better look out. Uh-huh. Is that the feeling inside here? Of course, man. Yeah. I don't say that. We just say you don't want to see a pissed off Texans, man, but it's just it's just, it's amazing the type of guys we got in here, man. The type of guys, we got special guys all over the place, man. And I'm, like, just so happy to be a part of this, man. Like, I just got to give a huge shout-out to my teammates, man. Because them guys, man, I would, I would rather not be on any team but this team. So you took care of your job today. You're in the playoffs tomorrow. It could be a chance, depending on what happens. You get to sit back and relax. What are you going to do? What, what, you mean? what are you going to do tomorrow? You get to chill during all the football. Ain't no chilling. We got, we got work to do, man. We got to recover. We got to rest, man. We got to get back to it, man. It ain't no chilling. <laughs> He's the best. <laughs> He's uh, that's the kind of guy you need to get to next to during training camp. Like you want your locker next to Will Anderson because uh, the, oh. the positivity is infectious. It's dog days of like, summer, yeah. Yeah, you don't necessarily want to be next to the guy that's pointing out every negative little thing all the time. Just uh, Will Anderson's a good guy to to be next to during camp. Good call. Good call. I as long as he also knows how to turn it off every now and then. Right, right, right. Uh, it's not always. I don't always need the pep talk, you know. But just yeah, that positivity goes <laughs> it, a long way. Yeah, it's authentic, man, for sure, for yeah. sure. Uh, all right, Payne and Pendergast with you. About a little under an hour from now, Nick Casario, Texans GM, is going to join us on the show. So we'll uh, get a chance to chat with Nick, State of the Union with the Texans as we head into uh, as we head in, into the playoffs for the first time in four years. The Browns coming to town on Saturday afternoon. Up next, headlines. We will hear some more from D'Amico Ryans, get you up to speed on coaching searches, which are now bleeding into some of the Texans' plans, college football title game last night, and a whole lot more in headlines next. Live from the Twin Peaks studios, Sports Radio 610 presents Payne and Pendergast with today's headlines. All right, headlines. Let's start with the Texans. Browns-Texans, 3.30. Saturday, Browns a small favorite against the Houston Texans. These two teams just met a few weeks ago, and uh, the Browns put it on the Texans. 36-22 in a game that was not as close as the final score would indicate. But different Texans, obviously, with C.J. Stroud. No Will Anderson in that game either, we should point out. No Blake Cashman in that game. So they were missing a few guys. Hopefully getting a few guys back this week um, that have missed the last game or two. Um D'Amico Ryans was caught on camera following the Indianapolis, the win over Indianapolis, kind of in the runway back to the the locker room, just a moment by himself, reflecting, looking up in the sky. It was a really cool shot by ESPN. He was asked yesterday at his press conference what was going through his head during that moment. Yeah, I was there in the hallway just uh, congratulating every player that walked in and then it just took a moment to just reflect. It's a moment of prayer and just thanks, thankfulness, gratefulness just for being able to be in this position to lead this team, right? To lead these, lead this special group of young men, right? And for us to accomplish, right? What we set out to accomplish of getting that, that spot in the playoffs. I know how much it meant to each and every one of our players, each and every one of our support staff, right? It meant a lot to everyone in our entire organization. So that moment, just a moment of, of gratitude and prayer, just thankful. Okay, two things. One, somebody was coughing incessantly during that press conference, and uh, that person needs to be escorted out. This is not, this is not the time... 
This is not the time to be putting pathogens out into the air, the common air which the Texans coach and players in the press conference later this week uh, will be breathing. I don't know who it was, and I apologize. We'll find if out. I'm messing. What's that? We'll find out. I'll text. Yeah, we'll I, like, uh, I apologize for you know trying to keep you from infecting a playoff football team with whichever nasty stuff you picked up from God knows where. My goodness. Um, so there's that. <laughs> The second is uh, the other part of it is the like the epilogue to that little story of D'Amico in the in the hallway was that when C.J. Stroud came by, D'Amico just starts running in behind C.J. in the locker room, oh, and yeah. that's where all hell broke loose in the locker room. So I I wondered whether he was like getting his thoughts together and composing his his speech to the locker room i don't think so i think that comes completely from the gut for a hundred percent yeah there's nothing rehearsed about tomiko in yeah. the speeches at all um the um the other bit of news for the texans outside of this playoff game is that uh teams are coming calling for bobby slowick now at least requesting interviews with him the carolina panthers washington commanders have both requested interviews with the texans offensive coordinator bobby slowick <laughs> Oh my gosh, man. Okay, if you're Bobby Slowick, you think about this. Let's say let's say that Bobby Slowick is considering taking a job. I personally hope that he's kind of got this, you know, pinky swear with D'Amico. They're, they're in it through thick and thin for at least a few years until they win a championship. But let's say he's considering taking a job. Man, ah, for me, if I just think about the owner alone and who do I want to work for, I just, I'm going with the commanders. Uh, and then the other side of it is, I think that, man, Slowick's got to have some conversations with people about Bryce Young and just exactly what do I think about Bryce Young? Can I, am I going to have to modify things him? What are the obstacles so far? Like, and he's got to, like, Bobby Slowick's got to look at the Panthers and say, oh, yeah, um, I can do all the things that Frank Reich could not. I can. I can get the best out of Bryce Young. I can manage a psychotic... Okay. It's not... I'm using the word psychotic colorfully. I don't think he's clinically psychotic. But a psychotic whack job of an owner uh, who's going to blame me for everything no matter what happens... I, there's no way. There's no way in hell I want for Bobby Slowick to go to the Carolina Panthers. New. I really like Bobby Slowick. I do I've too. enjoyed yeah. watching his development. He's got a great relationship with CJ. If he does go off somewhere else, God, please do not go to the Carolina Panthers, Bobby Slowick. No. I've, I've grown to like you. Go to the Commanders. They've got an owner who's uh, overseen other successful sports franchises, and uh, it seems like a, a, a common, rational sort. Yep. You don't have. And also, I like I. I'd rather go the unknown at quarterback than Bryce Young, who right now, if like if I'm being completely dispassionate about it, more likely than not that he doesn't work out. Right. I would agree with that. Um, college football playoff championship game last night in Houston here at NRG Stadium. Uh, and Michigan beats Washington 34-13. Um, close game in the third quarter, 20-13. to But if you watch the game, Michigan was the better team throughout um, it looked like a different Michael Penix last night for Washington. That's been a kind of a funny thing to watch over the last uh, week or two, which is, you know, you get a, a many, many more eyeballs on these semifinal and championship games than you do during the regular season. And Michael Penix put together a performance for the ages against Texas. He was incredible. And it was funny to see the reaction of a lot of folks who you could tell didn't watch 
a ton of college foot. Haven't a lot, watched a lot of Michael Penix. Penix was great all season for Washington. He was a runner-up for the Heisman. So this is not me saying Penix is an overrated college player, but there's a reason he's a cut below Caleb Williams and Drake May and other prospects like that. And and if you've watched him throughout his career, you know that. But when you get to people that are the first time they've watched Penix really hardcore is the Texas game. Like, how is this guy not the first pick in the draft? Right. Oh, my God. This guy's incredible. You know, Caleb Williams went seven and five this year at USC. How is Penix not the number one pick? Last night you saw why. Like he's, you know, he's he's not the physical specimen some of these guys are. Um, he's accurate, but he doesn't have a, a howitzer for an arm. He's injury prone, um, and and he's and he's also in his sixth year. He's a little older than these guys too. He's been around uh, a little bit longer. The highlight reel stuff of quarterbacks might be the most misleading and damaging to how you feel about various quarterbacks. Because every single quarterback that's eligible for the draft has a highlight reel of stuff where you're like, well. That's a boy. That's an NFL caliber throw right there. But that's and then someone you have to remember. Yeah, the difference between success and failure, just like in baseball, ends up being like one play out of twenty mm-hmm. ultimately. And yeah, the, and and then the durability part. You're right, and the age. Okay, yeah, you just talked me out of Penix, Sean. I was all for just drafting Penix and trading CJ off or whatever. You get him, <laughs> sure, you were get for him. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't like the answer he gave about something. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I think I, how Bill O'Brien would figure out a way to hate Michael Pen- Michael uh, Penix. CJ yeah, Stroud. I, no, CJ Stroud. Yeah, yeah, Stroud. Yeah, like and look, Penix is probably still going to be a first round pick, maybe late first round. I just the, the when I was watching everybody say like, oh my god, he should be the number one pick well, last week. I'm like, eh. they did it with Anthony Richardson in the limited time he had in the NFL this year where Anthony Richardson makes some incredible throws that was known already and people kept doing it people I otherwise respect would show an awesome Anthony Richardson throw and say oh I thought Anthony Richardson was inaccurate like not a hundred percent of the time that's the whole thing about inaccuracy nobody actually makes it to the NFL being inaccurate 100 percent of the time Text message, that was maybe the worst college football championship. Sir or ma'am, I will point out to you, last year the score is 65-7. to So it's not even the worst one in the last two years, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Let's not overreact. That um, was, uh, now, the, the downside of it is that almost, I read four articles this morning. Like I was looking for long-form articles about the game. Mm-hmm. And of four long-form articles, I would say less than 20% of the articles were about the game itself. Like I'm just I'm just looking for some nuance and stuff, and it's all about Jim Harbaugh, where he's going, the legacy of this previous championships that, that Michigan had won. It, it, like, and it was more about the all of the extraneous stuff than it was the game itself. Yep. All right, um, that's headlines. Quick other blurbs here. Rockets lose in Miami last night, one twenty to one thirteen. Tiger Woods and Nike are breaking up after what? 27 years. Yeah. What's a, the super no. couple. Yes, the super no. couple. Did they chase his car with a golf club? <laughs> that would have been symbolically. Did they, did they cave his face in with a nine iron? If what Tiger, happened? If Tiger had a retired Tom Brady level sense of humor on social media, <laughs> they would have had Nike breaking up with him by whacking his car with a him, nine iron. Him drugged up driving <laughs> yes. a Cadillac yeah, while on. Nike is running step, behind him. Step up, <laughs> Tiger. Step up. All right. All right. <laughs> Nike found some texts on his phone yep yep uh okay bottom of the seven o'clock hour <laughs> having an eyes wide shut party with adidas nick, nick you found out nick, about perkins it. waitress shows up out of nowhere in the whole thing yes um nick casario is going to join us waitress. yeah man that happened uh I nick, nick casario texans gm going to join us at the bottom of the hour um up next let's talk cj stroud 
Is it possible the Texans have drafted the only good quarterback since 2020? It might be possible. That is next.